Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. This is Evangelist Finney Riddle, and I welcome you to A Word from the Word Ministries. This is our Revelation series, and it is Revelation, the series for downtime living, because truly we are living in the days of the Revelation. Um, Before we get started, I'm going to open up with prayer. I'm going to pray as the Lord taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And he said that when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. We are in the book of Revelation, the first chapter, and we are going to pick up with the ninth verse. And we discuss this on last week about where John is writing, okay? Revelation 1 and 9, it says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here John is telling us, once again, we're recapping, uh, that he is not only the writer, but he is the children of Israel or the Christians during this time. He is the Christian's brother, and he is their companion in tribulation because John was on this prison island called Patmos. Patmos, you could say, was equivalent to our, what we would call Alcatraz, okay? We know what's on Alcatraz. It was a prison island. So that's the way it was with the Isle of Patmos. And he's saying here that there, while he was there, he received the word from God to be a testimony of Jesus Christ. Then he came back with, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as as of a trumpet. Now, you know, that was really something to hear a voice talking to you, all right? Now, we established also that when he said that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, every day should be the Lord's day, not just a Saturday, which some consider to be the Sabbath, uh, not just on Sunday, which is considered to be the first day of the week, but every day. If we are King's kids, every day should be the Lord's day. 
because we should be worshiping and praising him and thanking him all the time. He said that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind him a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, you can imagine, and that's kind of hard because Okay, picture this. You got a band, and every band or orchestra contains several different types of instruments. Well, there's <laughs> instruments that are called brass, and in this brass you got trumpets, trombones, saxophones, um, might be some flutes in there, uh, but any instrument that is that can be played outside of the drums, which are cymbals, um, that can be played to produce sound or music, a horn is considered to be a brass instrument. So now here he is saying that he heard behind him a voice that sounded as loud as of a trumpet. Now, guess what? We know that one trumpet can be quite loud. Yeah, depending on how hard the person is blowing the air through this instrument, how loud it is, where it's located, it could be echoing. But now just picture or imagine a mighty orchestra with all of these trumpets. So he's letting you know that the voice of the Lord that spoke to him on that day was very loud, okay? He said it was the loud voice. It was a loud voice as of that of a trumpet, yes, Also, he is letting us know that when he heard this voice, this voice was clear. It wasn't anything muffled. It wasn't anything that he would have to say, what you say, what you say. No. It was quite clear in his in the Lord talking to him, it was quite clear as to what he was wanting him to hear and say. So when he heard this voice, in verse 11, he tells us this, this voice was saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. As we said last week, these churches 
can represent us. Because when we get off into the descriptions of these churches and what they were and were not doing, guess what? We can see ourselves. Now, let me reiterate. When we say churches, we are not just talking about the building. The building is where we assemble, okay? We, us, king's kids, Christians, we are the kings that he talks about. We are the priests that he talks about. We are the church that he is talking about. So here the Lord is instructing him and telling him, what you see, I want you to write. And I'm going to tell you what it is you need to say to them. Now, these churches were located in Asia. And during this particular time, Asia was part of the Roman province, okay? We have to remember that the cities that he named off, remember that those were not the only cities with churches in that region. However, he's using these as examples, okay, And he's wanting us to pay attention to what these seven churches, like I said, were and were not doing. Why were these churches pulled out? Why were these churches specified? Okay, well, some would say that it was because they were arranged in a circular pattern, and when you go to one, you go to the other, go to the other, go to the other. Some think that these churches were, as they say, in the same postal district. Some say, Some believe that the seven churches were chosen because in the Bible, the number seven often represents completeness. And these letters, which are in the book of Revelation, these letters are written to the complete church. Not only these seven churches, but to everybody else, okay? Now, here in verse 12, John says, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse 13 says, 
And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, paps is like your waist or your lower, you know, your, your ear, your waistline. The garment that he had on <laughs> covered him all the way down to his feet. When Paul, when John, I'm sorry, when John saw this, we can only imagine that John was um, overwhelmed. Yeah. Now, another version says that he said, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven gold candlestands, golden candlestands, and in the midst of the seven lamp stands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. Now, with that description we can imagine it went across his shoulder and came across his chest because we know if we study how they dressed back during that time, that band could either be around the waist or across the chest. Now, John says that in the midst he saw one that looked like the Son of Man. That is one of the names for Jesus Christ. Alpha and Omega, the Son of Man, because Christ even referred to himself as the Son of Man. He refers to himself as the Son of Man several times. And what we have to understand is he was son of man as well as son of God. He was half and half. He came down here to live as a human so that he would understand what we as humans go through. He didn't, because where he came from, there was no sin. There was no temptation. There, everything was holy. But us being down here on this earth, we are tempted on every side. We are not living above sin, people, okay? But we are tempted on every side. But because of our relationship and respect, for the awesomeness and his wonder, we fight that temptation. We don't get off into whatever that thing is. So here John is saying that he saw a person in the midst of the lampstands which looked like 
the Son of Man. And he tells us what he had on. Then he even describes what he looks like. <laughs> uh, let me back up. Okay, when it says that he saw him amongst the seven golden lampstands, okay, Jewish tradition is there is a golden lampstand and it does have seven separate um, parts to it where you would place your candles. Now, this thing is called a menorah. And during Hanukkah, each day of those seven candles, those seven candles are lit. And then on the last day, the one in the middle is lit. The seven lampstands, the seven golden lampstands, if you remember back in Exodus, Moses was commanded to put lampstands or lamps in the tabernacle or the place of meeting for the children of Israel. A lamp, you could say, is not a light in itself but it is an instrument that dispenses the light. So when John turned and he saw the seven lampstands and these candles were lit, it wasn't the lampstands that was given off the light. It was the oil that was inside that was giving off the light. And it was a great light. Therefore, the lampstands are a good picture of the church. We don't produce the light. We display the light. When we got a relationship with our creator, we become children of the light, him. If he dwells inside of us, we have a relationship built with him. Guess what? It ain't no way in the world you can hide that light. I've had it to happen to me several times. I'm thinking that my light ain't showing, and it was showing even brighter then than it was before. But that was the Lord's way, too, of letting me know that me and him have a relationship, and he is with me. Therefore, if he's with me, I carry his light. 
Hope that didn't confuse anyone. But that's what we are. We are the carriers of his light. We are the instruments of his life. So since we are the church, we ourselves, we cannot, we do not, within ourselves, have the grace or the glory, okay? That grace and glory is received into us from Christ, who is the head. If he does not give it to us, then guess what? It cannot be dispensed. Light or life. So then he says, and in the midst, one that looked like the son of man. Wow. Jesus was in the midst of the lampstands. And we have to also, as a point of reference, you can go back to the book of Daniel the seventh chapter, 13th and 14th verse. And it says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Through the title of Son of Man, even though it sounds like a humble title, in light of Daniel's passage, it is not a humble title at all because we have to understand he is the Almighty. He has his hand on everything. So no matter what comes our way, he's still in control. Just like today's stuff, he's still in control. So now in verse 14, he tells us about how Christ looks. He said his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and if they burned in a furnace, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was a sound of many waters. He is just trying to describe to us what Christ looked like and what he sounded like. 
Here, let's start with his hair. It said his hair and head and hair were white like wool. Now we know that when a person's hair turns white, we call it gray. We're speaking of age. And here you could say that white hair speaks to old age. And if that does, if that is what we're thinking of, we have to understand that with that is connected the idea of great wisdom and timelessness. So what that is saying is his hair was white. He's old age, okay? He's got all of this wisdom, and he is timeless because he told us in the very beginning of this chapter that he was the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is who that was. He say, I am, <laughs> is, I am, was, and I am yet to come. So he doesn't operate in our puny time frame. He transcends over all past, present, and future. He created us. He started us. He's with us now. And in the future, he'll be with us through eternity. So having said that, it said the phrase white as snow also emphasizes the idea of purity. We know that Christ was pure. No sin was found in him. No sin is found in him. No sin will be found in him. That's lovely, ain't it? So, after he talked about his hair, he went on to talk about his eyes like a flame of fire. Now, when it speaks of that, some interpreters say that he speak is saying that Jesus' eyes. were those that would penetrate. Nothing could be hidden. And he was set in judgment because he sees the real you. When we stand before him, ain't no way in the world we're going to be able to hide nothing. Okay? We're not going to be able to hide anything at all. Why? Because he knows us intimately. He created us. He knows what we think before we think it. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. So when we stand before him, 
and he asks us the questions, did you, did you, did you, did you, you can't stand before him and lie. It ain't going to work. Because, see, those eyes penetrate. They look straight through to you, the real person. In Matthew 5 and 22, come on. And also, Second Peter 3 and 7, it talks about how his eyes search and penetrate. So when he comes back, he's going to be setting in judgment with those penetrating eyes. It went on to say his feet were like fine brass. As if, it says, as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Okay. Fire is an element. However, fire is connected with judgment. A burning off, okay? So since fire is connected with judgment, and it says these feet, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. This is saying that this is someone who has been through the fires of judgment and has come forth pure, which goes back to the white hair, representing purity. He didn't been through the fire. He went through the fire so we wouldn't have to go through it. That fire was him hanging on the cross. We said last week, would any of us be willing to hang on the cross like he did for a world full of sinners? We might would do it for our family, but not for the whole world. Maybe. All right? But you see, Christ knew, excuse me, what his assignment was from the very beginning, so it had to be manifested and fulfilled. Brass is a metal, and brass is also connected with judgment and sacrifice. When we read in Exodus 27 about how everything in that tabernacle for the for the for the altar was brass. Brass is also a strong material. And during this particular time it was the strongest known to the ancient world. So therefore feet like fine brass mm, you could say that this would be 
a representation of his stability and his permanence. Since brass is considered to be the most durable of all the metal substances. The word said that his voice was as the sound of many waters. This meant that his voice had power and majesty. I've never been to a waterfall. I would love to go to one. I, you know, I want to, hey, we got one right here between the United States and Canada, okay? Niagara Falls. I would love to go to Niagara Falls just to hear the water, to see it, how it's coming across those rocks and dropping down. Imagine his voice sounding like that. Power, rawness, yeah, just envision, just envision his voice as sound of many waters. I probably would have been like John, overwhelmed, probably would have fell down face first in utter awe, okay, because with him, he does have this awesomeness. We can't explain it, but we know he got it. We feel it. And to be in his presence is such a great pleasure. It's a refreshing. And he does speak to us. But here in the Revelation, this book is strictly about Christ. I'm going to say again, Revelation it's not a book for us to be afraid of. We don't have to be scared of the book. Really, this is a book of encouragement because no matter what comes, we need to understand he is still in control. He still got us. I'm going to close right here. And we'll pick up tomorrow with Revelation chapter 1, and we'll pick up with verse 16 and read ahead and be prepared. If you got any questions, you can write us at a word from the word ministries, 26. 31 Gravoy, G as in girl, R, A, V as in Victor, I, O, S, I'm sorry, O, I, S, okay, G, R, A, 
V O I S Avenue, Suite 803, St. Louis, Missouri, 63118. You can write us, give us a word of encouragement. If you've got any questions, you can write us there. Or you can go to our Facebook page, A Word from the Word Ministries, and you can post your questions there. And we will return, we will give you an answer. Even if you write us, we will still write you back and let you know what the answer to your question is. We will never put you out there on blast. We don't do that. If you're writing to us in confidentiality, that thing is kept confidential. Continue to pray for us that we will continue to grow, that we will continue to spread the good news regardless of what comes up. Having said that, we're going to close with prayer. I'm going to close as the Lord taught. And he said that when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Write to us. We look forward to hearing from you. Remember, the Lord loves you, and we do too. Take care.